You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 18. I can hear you flipping through your pages at home. I can, I, I'll wait, I'll wait for you. Where did I say to go? Come on, somebody type it in the comments. Where did I say to go? Luke chapter what? That's right, that's right, 18, 18. My sons still think that's funny. At least they, they laugh or they smile or smirk. So I'm gonna take that as they still think that's funny. So I'm gonna keep rolling with that joke. But Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9 through 14. We're going to get there in just a moment. But let's pray before we jump into this. And I want to just give you a quick word. This isn't gonna, I'm not going to keep you for, for an hour and a half, two hours. You'll get to see the rest of your city. We're just going to dig out a little nugget here, a little piece of the truth. Let it challenge us. Let it work on us. Give us a solution on a problem that we all tend to struggle with. And then walk it out together. So let's pray before we jump into this. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is alive. I thank you that it's active. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide me to my very core. It's able to take things in my life that I've set up as truths, that I've set up as, that's just how it is. And then all of a sudden, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you come in and you begin to mess with us and you say, we need to talk. And you present life to us and you tell us to walk away from death. And so, Father, I pray as you're sitting there at home and me, myself, even as I'm teaching this, that our ears are open and our hearts are receptive and our knees are weak so that we can bend and walk in repentance and walk this thing out. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, man, I can't hear you, so I'm going to need to see you kind of type this stuff in. Like, listen, be engaged today. Be engaged today. This is when it's fun because I get to see what everybody's thinking as I'm teaching, like in real time. Some of the things, let me just tell you something. Through those 10 weeks, there were certain things that I wish, you know what, you can keep those things to yourself. Like, I love you, but seriously, come on now. Be nice, right? Be nice. This is why we don't have the live stream up on the screen all the time. That's just, we don't need that. So be gentle, be nice, all right? But anyway, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9 through 14. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to scrap that just for a second. Because where all this started, and we're going to get into Luke, that's going to be the big portion. But God had me in Isaiah this week. God had me in Isaiah, and he had me with something that Jesus quotes. I think it's in Luke. He quotes it in Luke, but it's, it comes from this passage in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. And most of us know it. And it just says this, in Isaiah chapter 29, 13, it says this, the Lord says this, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules they have been taught. And when I read that, and, I, and I've read that many times, I've, been, I've read it in the Gospels, I've read it when Jesus quoted it, I've read it in Isaiah, like I've read it many times, but for some reason the Holy Spirit just kind of hit me with that for a moment, and, and he said, I need you to look at that. Because, we, because there, I, I kind of feel like there could be an epidemic <laughs> of this taking place. And I said, Father, my first question when I, when I got there was, was, number one, how does this happen? 
Because guys, this is totally different. Like, think about it. This isn't like the, the, the same you, you know, a thing of just somebody comes to church and they're, they're, they're a believer and then they just backslide, man. They just go off the deep end. They just go back to their old ways. They go back to doing their old stuff. Man, like we see that. And this is a totally different thing. And I think that's what's so weird about this and what kind of caught me off guard when he kind of directed my eyes to it. He said, this is not that. He said, this isn't where people have just have just gotten into sin and gone off in their own way. No, he said, this is where they have literally, their hearts have gotten further from me, but yet their outward appearance is still putting on the show. It's a very strange dynamic because uh, it's a part of me, I, and, and, the, and I'm just kind of a, this is how my mind thinks. I'm like, if you're, if you're gonna get into sin or if you're gonna get away from God, you might as well just go full out and do it, man. I mean, you might as well just do that. But how weird is it that we're still, that these people, and I, and I say these people, yet, yet I, I feel like I, I, by the end of this, I'm going to be talking to you and to me in this. I, I feel like I, I look at these people and I go, man, what kind of weird dynamic happens? How, how does somebody's heart begin to move away from the very thing, yet they keep the front out in front of them and they keep their words, they keep their actions, they keep their outward appearance looking as if they're honoring God, yet obviously not reaping anything from it because their hearts are far from them. Well, I want to go to Luke now. Where did I say to go? Luke, that's right. What was the chapter? 18, that's right. Thank you. I hear that one voice out there. Luke chapter 18. And I want to just use this parable to kind of teach through this point, okay? I want to just use this parable to really just kind of deal with this and, and really kind of break these things out so that we can see them kind of in real time. And I think when we get into this, you're going to, I think what's going to happen is, like me, you're going to only see one, one problem, but I think there's going to be two, and, and, and just stick with me. So let's just read this. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9 through 14, says this. To some who were... To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone, Jesus told this parable. He said, two men were up, went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. He's going to point out and say, even like that guy. Man, I'm glad I'm not like them. Because you have to understand, God, I, I fast twice a week and I, I give, all, I give a, a tenth of what I have to you. But then the tax collector, he stands off in a distance, right? Come on, we know this story. He stands off at a distance, and he would not even look up into heaven, but he beat his breast, he, he, he beat his chest, and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus says this. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, talking about the tax collector, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. 
I know most of you, just like me, when I read that passage, we only see one camp. We only see one problem, child, in that entire camp. We, we see the tax collector as being in the right because he sees himself as broken and I can't even look to heaven. God, forgive me. And he goes home justified. And obviously, the person at fault in this parable has got to be the Pharisee. It's the Pharisee hands down. Why? because he is, he is using other things. He is, it's obvious his heart has moved far from God. He is just using his words and his actions and his deeds and everything else to present the front, to say, man, look, look at how good I am. But I put before you that there might be two camps here. There might be two camps here. But I, I wanna see this. I wanna kinda break this down. How does this happen? How does somebody actually go from being, from going from somebody that, that their heart is drawn to God and that also lines up with what they're showing on the outside. How do they go from that? How do they go from that to their actions back off or their, their heart shrinks back but their actions continue? And we keep putting that out there. Well, I, I think it's easy. I think we can use the Pharisee to kind of break that down and kind of break down how that starts to happen. Any time, listen, any time that we as a people, as a people of God, and I'm talking to those that actually have a relationship with God, any time we begin to rely on outward things or things that, are, that we present before men, any time we present, present our morality, any time we present our, our check boxes of morality as our, as our sign that we are good with God, that is, that is the first step having our hearts fall off. Because any time that we begin to lean on anything other than on the fact that God, while we were still enemies, took us from unrighteousness to righteous. Why? By our faith and our faith alone. Anytime we begin to lean on anything other than that, man, we're in trouble and we are at risk of our hearts pulling away from the very thing that we say that we follow after and we say that we are drawn to. And what happens is this, just, I mean, I'm, come on now, and I'm not gonna pick on you, I'm picking on me. I have been this guy. I have been that Pharisee that begins to lean, not, not, on, not on my real relationship with him, not on this love relationship that I have with him, and all of these things are coming from that position, but I just begin to do these things as if that's going to be the thing that connects me to him. And so what does the Pharisee do there? I love this. He stood, he stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. And then I'm surely thankful that I'm not like that guy. Do you know how easy it is? You know how easy it is to walk into a church building and to feel comforted and to feel like you are connected to God by looking at other, pre other people's issues and other people's problems and other people's failings? Do you know how easy it is for the enemy to manipulate that and to get us into that place of walking in a building and go, well, you know what, I, I thought I was off, but obviously I must not be, because obviously, look, look around. Me and my family are in the building, and look around. That, that, that one couple, man, they're only here once a month. 
and that couple, man, they only come on Easter and Christmas. It is so easy to begin to lean on those types of outward actions as if that's what God is looking to, to connect you to him in a relationship. See, when he says this, when he says that your, their words honored me, they honored me with their actions and their words and their lips, but their hearts were far from me. What he was saying is, is everything that they were doing, everything that they were leaning on, everything that they thought that I wanted, everything that they thought that I wanted, man, they're, they're, they're presenting as if that's the gift, as if that's the thing, and yet all I desire is I want them. I want their very hearts. And they've, they've, they've replaced, they've, they've turned over, they've, they, they've, they've leaned on their own self-righteousness, they've leaned on their own good works, they've leaned on, man, I give in the offering every Sunday. I give, this church wouldn't be open if I didn't give. Come on now. Come on now. Even in a godly action of honoring God with your finances, even, look at me, I lift my hands higher than anybody. And I make a face that looks like something smells better than anybody in the building. I must be super spiritual. Look at me. I've run around the building seven times. Look at me how super spiritual I am. And look at all these other people. How empty they are. Their relationships must be far from it, but not mine. Because look at all of these things that I'm leaning on. Look at all these things that I am putting forth and presenting to God as if somehow that's what he desires. And yet God would look at this Pharisee and said, man, in all of your righteous actions and all your moral attitudes and, and, and all of your moral check boxes and, and the fact that you've given to me and the fact that you've, uh, the, the fact that you fast and you even buffet your own body. Uh, you don't go to the buffet, you just buffet your body, right? You, you, you don't do that, you do that twice a week and you, you give up food, man, well done. But you know what, in all of that, if you miss the fact that I want you and I want you to want me and not want to just do those things. Man, we, we can be just like that Pharisee and we can be into that position. And most of you have heard this message before. This isn't anything new. That we, we cannot lean on anything else other than the grace and the mercy of God and never remove ourselves, ever thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Like we know that. So we, we listen to me, listen to me, because I, I don't want you to check out right now. Because I think most of us, we just say, okay, Pastor Chris, I got that. Don't be a Pharisee. I understand. Stay the course with him. I get all of that. But, but, but there's more to this. I don't want to just tell you how it happens. I want to give us a, an answer to, to how we keep it from happening. And remember I told you there were two groups? Yeah. Yeah, two groups. Two groups, not just one. We always pick on the Pharisee in this. But I've seen something. I've been around church long enough that I believe that in this time, that if Jesus could come back right now and retell this story, that there might actually be a second group in this that might be struggling with this just as much as the Pharisee. What do you mean, Pastor Chris? Well, I, I, think, I think that the tax collector, the one that beat his chest and cried out to God, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. I think that man or that woman is in just as much of a risk 
as becoming somebody that honors God with their words and their actions, and yet their hearts are far from them. Well, how could that be? He, he's repenting. He's saying, I'm sorry. He's, he won't even look to the heavens. He cries every Sunday that he comes. Every time there's an altar call, he's there. Every time that somebody says, do you want to repent? He runs forward. Yeah, yeah. But just like the Pharisee, he began to lean. It's very possible that just as the Pharisee would lean on all these moral checkboxes and all these moral things, I believe that the, that the man that would call himself a sinner has the, same, has the same opportunity to fall into this set, this same trap of having our hearts far from him, and yet our words are saying the right thing. And what do you mean by that? Well, the reality of it is, is I feel like we've kind of failed. It's just the truth. I'm, I'm, I'm painting with a very broad, broad, brush, broad brush right now. But in the modern church era, we've sold Jesus as a feel-better card. Are you sitting in this room? Are you sitting in here in sin? Do you don't like that sin? You don't like how it makes you feel? Do you feel depressed about it? Do you feel bad about it? You want to stop feeling bad about it? Do you want to feel better? And, and I don't know a person on earth that would say, no, I kind of dig this feeling. And we kind of sell Jesus as this, as this little pill you can pop. Come and say these words. Well, tell me the words to say. Say, I repent. Okay, I'll say that. Oh, but you got to really mean it. Well, what does it look like to really mean it? We'll, 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 we'll cry. Let me see some outward action. Let me see the fact that when you repent, that I, I see some tears in your eyes and you came forward on a Sunday and, and man, you beat your breast and you didn't even look to heaven and you said the right words because at least you know, just like the Pharisee, he has an understanding. I'm not gonna let these outside things go because I get that there is a God. And just like the sinner, you go, yeah, I get that there's a God. What do I gotta do to make this okay? Oh, you mean I just have to say the words I repent? Okay, I can do that. You mean I gotta come down to an altar and say I repent, maybe cry a little, have somebody pray for me, and that'll do it? Man, we've sold that, as that's the case. But the reality of it is, for the sinner, the way he would fall into that is that he would, he would honor God by saying, yes, you're the one I should be repenting to, but yet in his heart, he says the words outwardly and does it in the right space of a church and even does it with some tears and some emotion and really means it in the moment, but then turns right around and runs right back into that very sin. You see, you can never forget that when Jesus found people living in sin, think about the woman caught in adultery. He catches her, and they bring, the, Jesus brings them, or they bring this woman to him, caught in, caught in adultery, and we all know the story. They're going to stone him. Jesus starts doing some graffiti in the sand, and they all leave. The stones fall down, and then all of a sudden, Jesus looks at the woman and says, man, where are your accusers? And she looks at him and goes, oh, they're not here. And he looks at him and goes, yeah, well, then I don't accuse you either. And we treat it as it's just a period, like it's just a, it's just a period that that story ends there. But he looks at her and he says, listen, but now, now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. 
So the same guy that in this parable we would say is the victor has the same opportunity of falling into that same snare. That we can get so conditioned to just saying the words, I repent, because we've been taught that that's the thing we do. Yet we say those things, we add a little tears to it, and then we just run right back into our life still. Why? Just so that we can repeat it all again come the next Sunday. Or when the next tragedy hits or when the next gotcha moment hits we just do it all over again you see none of us sir no matter if we take the moral high ground or if we just take the I'm just gonna run back to my sin all of us all of us have the opportunity of replacing having our outward actions say one thing and yet our heart be far from it You know, I told you I wanted to give you just a simple thing, and I wish I could give you something deeper than this and something more elegant and more profound, but I think Jesus just wraps it all up, and he says, this is how. This is how you keep from doing that. And not only this is how you keep from doing it, but this is how you keep your joy about it. In John chapter 15, starting in verse 9 through 11, it simply says this. It says this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And listen, if you keep, underline this, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. You'll remain if you keep what he says for you to do. Man, if you do that, it's not just a a thing of rules of do's and don'ts. It is the very thing that keeps our heart connected. And never gives us into the position of being somebody that is just honoring with my lips, just giving you over what the words I want, or these morality checkboxes. No, I, I do what you command. I seek out what you command. I want to do whatever you have for me to do. And in doing that, I remain. I remain in my love. Just as I, this is Jesus speaking, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in His love. I have told you this so that, you, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Man, oh man. Man, we run such a risk of being both of those guys. I'll just repent and run back or I'll just present these moral checkboxes and God says, no. I don't want any of that. I want your heart, and how do I have your heart? I I need you to stay in doing my commands, whatever I've told you to do, whatever I've spoken to you, whatever I have taught you. Do those things, and that keeps my love in you, and you in my love. That keeps that heart connected. Not only does it keep us connected, it gives us joy. We turn it such into a do and don't and a check mark and and some list. And he's saying, this child is your safe space. This is how you don't just become a Pharisee in the church 30 years from now. And you don't become somebody that just shows up when all hell breaks loose in your life to run down to an altar and say a magic prayer and cry a little bit, feel better, and then run straight back out. I am telling you that there is a better way. I'm telling you that there is a better way. And the better way is in his love and in his better way. It will give you joy and it will keep you connected. Keep his commands. Keep his commands, how simple. Boy, I wish I could give you this big, profound thing like, gotcha. No, it's this simple. Child of God, 
his way, stay in his path. Man, if you don't know it, I promise you, reach out to somebody. Ask somebody that knows. What do you think about this? The Bible is not vague. He is not far off. He is not far off. He is there. And he will give you wisdom and he will give you direction. And he begs you, stay in what I've commanded you and my love will be in you. And you in my love. And because of it, your joy will be complete. Let me pray for us right now. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you right now. Father, you are so good. Father, you reveal things in your words and not only just condemn us but, but, and convict us. Father, you don't condemn us. You give us a pathway unto life. And Father, my prayer is that this rests on us like a wet blanket, that we hear this, that we see ourselves in either camps if we're honoring you with our actions and our hearts are far from you or if we're just doing this whole repent thing and run back. Father, let us, let us just run back to you. Let us just run back to you. Keep your commands and honor you in all of our ways and let our joy be complete. That's my prayer for you, Freedom Family. I love you today. I hope you have an amazing rest of your Sunday. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your Sunday and we will see you guys soon. Love you guys. Thanks for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 94000 and send us your prayer request. And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com.